everyone, and welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today I'm here with Lauren Olson, a certified sleep specialist and founder of Sleep and the City. Lauren began Sleep and the City in 2014 when she found that there was a real need for a real person to help new and seasoned moms with sleep training in a modern way. Her mission is to teach parents a gentle, hands-on, no-cry-it-out sleep plan that works with real life. With her online baby sleep classes for children 0 to 18 months and helpful DIY guides for toddlers, Lauren is raved about by celebrities and families around the globe. With daylight savings time quickly approaching, we wanted to chat with Lauren about some baby sleep tips to help our little ones seamlessly transition to the time change. When it comes to sleep, we parents will do anything to make sure that it's undisturbed. And by preparing ahead of time and having an understanding of what to expect, we can make it an easier shift for us and our littles. So let's welcome Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast, Chick Chat. Hi there. So happy to be here. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, baby sleep is such a hot yet sensitive topic for parents, but all we parents want to do is sleep, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Nine, 10 hours if we can, right? If possible, that would be amazing. (laughs) But you know, with daylight savings quickly approaching, we wanted to talk to you, a baby sleep expert, about ways that we can make the time change transition easier on us with baby sleep. But before we get into all of that, Lauren, please tell us a little bit about yourself. So obviously my name is Lauren. I am the founder and baby sleep fairy behind Sleep and the City. I've been doing this professionally for about six and a half years. Honestly, I kind of started out when I had my first baby and I knew a little bit that I was supposed to have a schedule, but like, what did that look like? Why did it not match up anything I could Google or anything in the books? And then there was this really great book someone recommended to me. And I was like, okay, this is a great, but the baby isn't doing what the book says they should be doing. So is there a number in the back that I can call? Is there a website (laughs) where I can chat with somebody, you know? And I think just at the fact as being a new mom and I felt really, really overwhelmed. I did not feel prepared. There was no hospital class on napping and sleep. I did, you know, all the baby classes, how to bathe your baby, what's the best crib to buy and baby safety and baby feeding. And there was just this really big hole I felt in parenting, you know, just that general knowledge, like parenting and learning about how to be a new mom about sleep. And then there's nobody to reach out to. And so I felt like there was this big void. And after really just diving into some self-study on my own end, because I was struggling so much with my son, who actually did okay stretches at night, but was napping terribly. I'm talking like it would take me an hour of rocking and he would sleep for 10 minutes and then be up again. And so I'm just exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just really dove into that self-study, started helping out friends and family. And then I found a program actually, it's an international program. It wasn't even in the United States at the time. There was nobody really doing it. And I found this program and I actually began the program and it's 250 hours of training, which in comparison, pediatricians get average of 10 hours of sleep training, professional training. So this is 250 hours, comparatively speaking. And I did it on my second maternity leave. So yeah, who does that? I don't know. know. Yeah, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I was like, nobody's going to like take me seriously unless I know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? I could hand out flyers all day, but you're like, well, who's this lady? You know? For sure. 
for sure. No, but that's amazing that you had all of that training and you've been doing it now for years. So, and we've been following you for years. So that's why we're like, we got to talk to this sleep girl over here and get all the tips. So, yeah, and it's just evolved, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, that's how you like got started. But like, so that's what made you decide to become a sleep expert is that you were like, okay, I'm helping. Did you realize that other people were also having these issues? Like it just wasn't you? Absolutely. Because, you know, there, there is and there, there was and there is a popular book out there that kind of talks you through sleep training. It's kind of from the 70s. So, you know, my big thing with my business is I don't use outdated methods. So this, the method I came across, it was from the 70s. My girlfriend told me about it and she's like, you just put them in their crib and then you sit outside of the room with the door closed and you sit there until they fall asleep and they'll cry and cry and cry. You'll probably cry too, you know, and come to find out it's cried out. But I went through it and I was like, there's gotta be a better way. When I moved my son to the crib, he was not happy. And I tried it and I went through it and it was, it was so hard. And I was like, there's just gotta be a better way. There's gotta be an easier way. Like I get that it's fast, but you know, how can we help babies through this? And I think that's, you know, I was saying I've really evolved my business into not only, you know, helping people through consultations is, you know, as the business got bigger, it became worldwide and now everybody's online. That's why we've evolved into sleep classes, showing moms exactly how to do drowsy but awake put downs, walking people through how to night wane once their doctor's given them that green light to do so and sleep train and then really helping toddlers stay in bed all night and getting them to bed without it taking three hours for them to fall asleep, right? So I know I could talk about this all day. You can stop me at no, any I love time. Obviously, <laughs> no, this is great because it's it's obvious that you're super passionate and knowledgeable in this. So we're excited to learn more because what's coming up, oh my gosh, dun, 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 daylight savings time. Our favorite which time of year. <laughs> I hate it in general as like a human, but when you have a baby, you're like, oh, crap. We just got this whole sleep thing kind of figured out. And now we have to change our clocks and mess everything up. Not just turns on his head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so how can parents better prepare? And can you walk us through Lauren, what to do for people who have newborns, infants and toddlers? Cause I know it can change from doing that transition for a newborn compared to like a two-year-old. Right. So I think the big thing with this upcoming time, time change is this is the spring forward one. So you can kind of rejoice temporarily because babies and, you know, all children will ideally sleep in an hour, right? Even though it's really 7 a.m., your clock says 8 a.m. So everybody can rejoice. And this is, and it's still dark at first and that's temporary, but then the summer comes and the sun rises earlier and earlier and earlier. And then summertime, the sun's up at five. So number one with this time change, what you're really going to need is a blackout shade. And I say shade, not curtain, just because I as a mom, I've bought every curtain you can imagine, and nothing quite blocks out the rising summer sun, especially if you have an east-facing window or your baby has an east-facing window, quite like a blackout shade. I'm a huge fan of the blackout shade. I have on my website, sleepandthecity.com, like a sleep must-haves tab where people can find this. But it's a blackout shade. It's under 50 bucks. Super easy. It Velcros on and off your windowsill. So you can leave it on all day take it off for your parties, whatever, travel with it. But that's what you're going to want, number one. Also to people that are like, well, I don't have 50 bucks. Tin foil, tin foil, $2, your best friend, okay? (laughs) Tin foil it up. 
I had tinfoil on my window before I discovered this shade, I think for about two years. Yep. I was that house in the neighborhood with the picket fences with a tinfoil window on my daughter's window. I just didn't care. So that's what Who you're going to need. at that point? If your baby's sleeping, care. you'll do whatever. Right? I'm like, yep, my house is the one with the tinfoil. Yep. Yep. Right there. Yep. Park outside. <laughs> So making sure you have that room just sort of uh, set to be conducive to sleep because we can't force children to sleep, but we can sort of set the stage, right? So making sure that it's nice and cool in there. And when I say nice and cool, like between 68 and 72 degrees, that blackout shade is going to help regulate the room temperature, especially with the rising sun in the upcoming summer months when it gets hot in the house. Naturally, that shade is going to block out not only light, but heat and a little bit of noise. And then just transitioning right into that. You'll also want a white noise machine if you don't have one already. Most moms I talk to have one already. I have some favorites, but these are also great items to have on hand for any age, for any, not just daylight savings, but year round. And so I'm sure a lot of you are like, okay, I've got these all checked off, but we want to know about the sleeping in thing. Is this real? Is this going to continue? What do we need to do with our schedules, right? So let's start with newborns. So when I say newborns, let's work with the age range of zero to six months, only because under six months, children cannot abide by a rigid clock schedule. Meaning your baby, let's say they're on four naps, they're not going to wake up at seven, nap at nine, 11, two, and four every single day. It just doesn't work out like that because they're just neurologically and biologically not ready for that. Okay, you're more using wake windows. So with our babies zero to six months, especially for the really little ones with the time changes, the really little ones, and I mean little like under six weeks, I don't even worry about it. A lot of moms are like, I have a three week old, what do I do? And I'm like, honestly, don't even worry about it because with the little, little babies, brand new newborn, six to eight weeks and under, you're still dealing with switching your days and nights anyways right? Because they come out not really knowing the difference and you have to regulate their internal clock. So under eight weeks, moms, don't worry. Okay. Up to six months. So eight weeks to six months. Yes. Will they sleep in an hour later? Yes. Okay. So let's say that your baby on average wakes up at 7am every day. And then after the time change, they're waking up at 8am. You're thinking, this is great. I know my first nap usually occurs around 10 that's great. You can keep your normal schedule, but here's the catch. Okay. If your baby was waking up at seven and then going to bed at 8 PM prior to the time change now, because your baby's waking up at eight, everyone get ready. Your bedtime is now at nine. Okay. So bedtime is no longer at 8 PM. I, had a girlfriend. She went out of town. She put her husband in charge. We forgot it was daylight saving spring forward. And she's like, remember bedtime's at eight. Do not forget. Right. He put the baby down at eight and the baby cried for an hour. And then he put the baby down at eight the next night and the baby cried for another hour. And he's like, I don't know what's happening, but the baby's crying for an hour. And we're like, okay, it was the time change. You put him down an hour early. Of course, this isn't going to work. Do you know what I mean? Because just the window was too short. And you can see a lot of crying at put down. If your window, your wake window, mean time spent awake between a nap and bedtime is too short or too big. So in that scenario, the window was too short. Thus, the baby was awake for another hour and not happy about it. Okay. So that's kind of the big one that people sort of forget. And this goes for older children as well. You know, you're going to put them down a whole hour later than normal. 
right? Which really is the same time prior to the change. I know this gets tricky. So Nina, you stop me if I don't make sense. Because if I don't make sense to you, okay, if I don't make sense to you, I'm sure there's like 90% of people out there like, wait, what? (laughs) Okay. So some parents are like, okay, that's cool. I don't mind them going to bed at nine o'clock, you know, during the summer, but I work, I work outside of the house or I'm going to transition back into work once things start getting healthier on the front of coronavirus and all that. So I need to leave my house no matter what at 6 a.m. every day. How am I going to stretch my kid until 9 p.m.? So that's a great question. For those of you that want to keep that 8 p.m. bedtime, you're like, look, I love my 8 to 10 quiet time for me to watch The Bachelor or whatever you're watching. What is it, Bridgerton? Am I saying that right? You know, like the newest show on Netflix or whatever. And I do this too. The day after the change, right? So it's Sunday. My kids wake up at 8. I run them. It's funny. I say run them like they're a horse, but I run them like (laughs) ragged, meaning that, you know, if they're still taking a nap, still offer those naps. But in between those wakeful periods or if, you know, your toddler's taking um, one nap or maybe you're transitioning to no nap, I kind of run them ragged, meaning that we go to a park they've never been to before. If you're indoors, we do like a huge fort and then a huge game of hide and seek. We bring in flashlights and you're just going to really up the mental stimulation and physical activity. And then, okay, ready? This is the bedtime part that I'm getting to. You're going to put them down a half hour later only. So bedtime's at 8.30, okay? You're going to do this for a week. And then then following Sunday, repeat and put them down at eight. And they will slowly start waking up earlier again. And you'll be back on that 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. schedule. Right. And you can do this obviously like before daylight savings or you can start it whenever, right? Yes, yes. Because, you know, f- yeah, the, uh, the switch is fall right? Where we fall back and everyone wakes up an hour earlier. So you you can switch this or do it any time of year. Absolutely. If you want to shift an internal clock, right? Your internal clock. Sometimes I just tell people to wear a watch with a different time on it. Hey, or you can travel to Arizona and they don't do any time change there, right? Yeah, I know. I'm so jealous of them. Them in Hawaii. I'm like, okay, what? (laughs) Yeah. They're so lucky when it comes to that. But yeah, so that is the really big trick I would say is just acknowledging that your child is now on a later bedtime unless you take it in those half hour increments. Mm -hmm. Okay. Half hour. That's great. So what challenges can parents expect during that transition when they're doing that half hour exchange and all that? Luckily, this one's a little bit easier than the fallback one. I think when it comes to daylight savings fallback, parents are trying to stretch the window to bedtime, and then it's causing the child to be overtired. This one, you're almost trying to stretch it as as long as you can because you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to bed an hour later. What do I do? But just remember to move, to move your entire routine up. So you're not only moving your naps up and your bedtime up. I'm, I'm sorry, your naps later and bedtime later. You're also moving your activities and your meal times later as well. That really helps. So if dinner was at 5 p.m., now it's at 6, right? Over time, you can mess with this a little bit, a half hour in either direction. You know, whatever works for you and your schedule, depending on how many kids you have, or if you're working in or out of the home, you could do that too. Okay. Okay. Are there any other challenges that we can expect at this point? This one's pretty easy. I would say that biggest one is just recognizing the schedule and then watching the bedtime. This one's not the one where you're going to get a lot of fussiness. You know, we've covered making sure your room's nice and blacked out because again, if you don't have those blackout shades, if your kids are sleeping at eight or sleeping in until eight now, and you're like, woo, I got them sleeping until eight, they're going to guaranteed wake up at five with that sunshine if you don't have that room blacked out. 
Right. Oh, it's so true. It's It's the worst. Okay. So like you just said, so there's the blackout shade and you also mentioned a white noise machine. Are there any other products that you recommend that can help get our babies to to sleep? Yeah, <laughs> during yeah. This lengthen change? that sleep out, right? Yeah. So we mentioned the cool dark room, the shade, the white noise machine. A lot of people ask me, you know, what should baby be wearing to sleep? That's kind of a it's funny. It's kind of a big topic on my blog. We talk about it. For newborns that are not rolling, I always recommend a swaddle. I have a great swaddling video within my newborn class, my online classes that I have. Inside my newborn one, we talk a lot about swaddling. When they begin to roll, we transition them either to a swaddle underneath a sleep sack or an arms out sleep sack or an underarm swaddle, meaning if you have like the Ollie swaddle, which is a really popular one, you would do it underneath their armpits, for example with both arms out. Ideally, what's happening is though, is you're slowly transitioning from the swaddle to the sleep sack. And then you're keeping the sleep sack, I would say up until 18 months, because what's going to happen is that if a baby is, let's say from 12 to 18 months, they get very mobile. Mobile means crawling. Mobile means jumping. A sleep sack is going to prevent them from throwing that little leg over the side of the crib because they physically can't do it. For those that zip the sleep sack down, you can just simply turn it around and have it on them backwards. But essentially, you know, when it comes to what they're wearing aside from a sleep sack or a swaddle, you know, just I would say maybe even one layer of clothing more than you're comfortable in. I like to check behind their neck. If the neck is sweaty, that usually means they're too hot. And then I check their, you know, extremities, toes, fingers. If the toes and fingers are a little bit chilly, you can put on a pair of socks. Footed pajamas are shown to help children sleep at least 30 minutes longer in the morning. So That's throw amazing. those on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, I'm buying footed pajamas until these kids are six. I really did. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't blame it you. Not a lie. Do it. Yes. So that's a really good one too. Keeping their feet covered. And then, like I said, keeping that room temperature sort of regulated. Oh, these are golden nuggets, y'all. So definitely write these down. So those were really my big questions of like, okay, what can we expect? How can we make it easier? And are there any products? But are there any other like final thoughts or like words of advice or any other tips that we're not thinking of that that you'd like to share, Lauren? When it comes to baby sleep in general, the three things that are really going to help out the most when it comes to time changes or regressions due to, you know, time changes with traveling or illness or new house, new babysitter, new baby, right? The three big things you're going to want to remember is to be consistent, right? Have a routine, be consistent with that routine, and then making sure that all parties involved, aka your husband, are aware of these things that you are doing, or your (laughs) spouse, or your nanny, okay? Because a lot of the times, especially our toddlers, will talk you into something else. Also, after six months, something called cause and effect kicks in, and babies will know, if I exert this behavior, this is the result. And so they will start to test that out on each parent, and they know which parent will bend easier, if you will. And so it's really good that dad, you know, if dad's in charge of the bedtime routine or your spouse is in in charge of the bedtime routine one night, that he or she is really understanding what you do and moving through the same motions in a consistent manner. Because the minute you drop that consistency or you move away from the routine you've been doing all these years, it can take as little as three nights for babies to fall out of routine. Okay. Have you ever heard that? Like it takes 21 days to get in shape, but three days to fall out. 
something like that. So you can, tr- <laughs> you can sleep train your baby, but it takes three nights for them to fall out of it. So that, those are like really big ones. And I know that kind of sounds vague, but it, it is really like the cornerstone of sleep work and sleep and having those good sleepers. Mm-hmm. No, those are, those are great tips. And I completely agree. I think it's so important that both you and your partner are on the same page of this type of thing, because if, you know, you have to step out and be away for a night for an event or whatever. I don't know, not understanding what that routine looks like, what the time is, that whole little schedule that you have, it really throws off everything. So I love that. I I completely agree. Oh my goodness. So any other final words of advice for our listeners? Yeah. So I was just going to say too, because you just, you just brought up the magical word. You know, we've been talking about schedules a lot, right? Schedules are imperative to sleep work as well. Like if I don't care what sleep book you read, what sleep training program you use, if you don't have an age appropriate sleep schedule, anything that you do is likely going to fail. So I actually offer free schedules and you can find those on Instagram. If you go to sleep and the city on Instagram, click the link in my bio. It'll say, get a free schedule. You just take like a three question quiz and you can get a free schedule straight to your phone. You can take it as many times as you want. It's from ages zero to five. And it's going to spit out those wake windows for those younger children under six months, like we mentioned, that can't be on that clock schedule. And I think that's super helpful understanding those wake windows. Okay. So then if you're just thinking to yourself, I don't even know where to start when it comes to sleep training, that's going to be where you start. Get a schedule, kind of get that going, and then you can sleep train. If your baby's waking up too early or not sleeping through the night or your doctor says you can cry it out now, but you don't want to cry it out, right? Then you can hop into one of my classes online. And these classes are, they're self-paced. There's no live classes. So anywhere in the world, you can take them at your own pace. You can take them slow. You can take them fast. And I think just the overall experience is that knowing that you can, A, go through something that's more modern. So we're not using things that your grandma learned about, okay, when it comes to sleep training. And B, there actually is somebody behind the book, behind the class, right? And it's me. So people can DM me and reach out to me there too. Because I just find that was the number one thing I needed was just a human, right? To be like, okay, I'm going to take this class and I've worked through these steps. Am I doing it right? You need support, right? And it just helps knowing that there's somebody behind it. And that's obviously me. So I think that would be a great place to start is getting that schedule. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. This was awesome. Thank you so much. And, And Lauren, where can our listeners find you? So like I mentioned on Instagram, that's where I am a lot. That's kind of my preferred platform, sleep and the city. For those of you that are listening and you're like, oh, well, I, you know, my main focus is toddler. I do have a sister Instagram account. It's called toddler sleep. You can also find toddler tips over there, but the main website is sleepandthecity.com. You can also email me at hello at sleepandthecity.com. Yeah. And of course we're on Facebook and TikTok too, but those are the big ones. Um, and I, yeah, and I, I'm look forward to helping and no question is too crazy or out there. I've heard it all, no judgment. So feel free to hit me up with any questions. I love that. And I'm sure you have. That's, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard the gamut of, of situations and questions. So it keeps I, it entertaining. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. This was so helpful. Thank you again for your time, Lauren, and for these great tips. I so appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and answer our questions. Absolutely. It was fun. Yeah. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Lauren, like she said, visit her on Instagram at sleep and the city, as well as her website, 
eatsleepandthecity.com for sleep classes and DIY guides. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions, tips, or stories of your own about baby sleep and daylight savings time, please share them with us in the comments. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Thank you for tuning in and cheers to more and better sleep. Oh,